You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to the Midweek Mailbag. We are back with another episode here live on YouTube and Twitch. And of course, coming to you on all podcasting platforms. Myself, Jeremy Reisman, the producer and Lions beat writer for prideofdetroit.com. You can find me at Detroit Online. With me, as always, here to answer your questions is the managing editor, is the machine, is also Detroit Lions beat writer, and at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt, how are we doing, buddy? Hey, it's... uh. It's an interesting day weather-wise here in Michigan. Uh, sure is. It was like 50 I, uh, this morning and it's 30 now. It was like in the mid-50s when I sent my kid to school with no coat. And uh, now, <laughs> Oops. now now it's 31. And so uh, I've decided to, uh, I was going to do that. I was going to be in the garage. I was going to have the door. It was, I had the whole thing set. No. <laughs> No, it's 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 too cold. It's it's a nice reminder that we're still in February. We are. And February also means NFL Combine Week, which is we are, I would say, in the midst of it, even though no on-field drills have been done yet. We've heard from Brad Holmes. We've heard from Dan Campbell. We've heard some from some defensive linemen. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it's been kind of a, a news heavy week so far. The, the NFLPA reports just dropped. Report cards just dropped. Uh, we'll talk about all of that in due time. But this show is all about answering your Detroit Lions questions. And if you ever have any questions for us, send them to us on Twitter using the hashtag SPOD. Look out for the call every Wednesday morning because we normally do these on Wednesday afternoon. And because it's NFL Combine Week, we are going to start with a couple NFL Combine questions First, from our good friend Ashley Davidson, uh, one of one of our mates over at uh, over the pond, you could say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Asks, how much do you sure. think this team will weigh players not taking part in aspects of the combine and pro days? I know for the most part we don't value athletic testing, but does opting out go against the culture the team seems to value in their players? I think this is a really interesting question, Eric, because. You you would think like if if you're a a Dan Campbell type, you never shy away from competition. You're you sure. you 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 know you, you take the NFL Combine as a challenge that you want to flash your skills. Do you think that maybe it kind of marks a a, a negative if if they back out? Well, it, it is an interesting question because if you look like it last year, uh, Gibbs participated even though he was considered one of the top backs. Uh, Jack Campbell participated, Brian Branch uh, participated, and um, and Sam Laporta. All of them participated. Yet, when you listen to Dan Campbell at the podium this week, what did he say? He said, yeah, the drills are nice. Uh, we get everything on film. We'll be able to double check it against other numbers. Most important thing to me is the interviews. So right. what, they, what they're telling, and I think history also backs that up. Interviews yep. are massive for this team. Massive. They get 45 of them and it they tend to have interviewed almost all the guys that they draft. Like the 45 guys that they interview, the chances are the um 
the majority of their picks are coming from that pool. So the interviews are the most important at the same time they they tend to draft guys that compete, right? Like that's, and, yeah. and so I'm like, I don't know. I think every situation is a little bit different. There's injuries that are going to pop up that guys aren't going to, you know, be fully healthy or maybe fully trained. And that's, you know, you don't want to discount those guys because they can't perform. There's other guys that have put up a ton of film on tape, like the whole Marvin Harrison Jr. situation. He's a, it's a top five player. Like it's, I'm okay with him being, uh, you know, pulling a Deion Sanders and saying, oh, I'm going to go in the top five. So those are the guys, that's what I'm going to focus on. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think if someone purposely opted out, I don't know how, if that would negatively affect their status because there's so many other factors that come into play. So yeah. I would say, no, it won't at the same time. If they're interested in the guy, the guy's probably competing. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it It's hard to kind of weigh that. Right. Because if, yeah. if you're the, if you're that football mindset where you live, eat and, and, and sleep football competing in the combine seems like a, an opportunity to showcase those, that, that skill set and an opportunity to just compete. But at the same time, it's also not football. <laughs> like you, we, we hear NFL, you know, rookies after the rookie year going into year two and being like, Oh my God, this is so much better. Like I don't have to train for three months to get my body in NFL <laughs> right. combine shape, which is completely different than NFL football shape, you know, like, um, so in, in a way it isn't competing football. It's, 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 it's the underwear Olympics. If you, if you want to use that term. Um, so I don't know. I, I tend to kind of lean on, on what the, players decide to do and what's best for them um whether mm -hmm. it is a, i mean if they're skipping out on the combine for sketchy reasons you're like oh like if, if you like see a player and he's way overweight from what you expected and he's just there to do interviews then you can be like oh he's not doing the skill set because he did not train in a proper way to get ready if you have a sneaking suspicion that it's something like that i think that could hurt your. i think that obviously will hurt your stock if it's more like hey I'd rather be in a controlled environment at the at my pro day. I think that's totally fine. Um, it, it might not make everybody happy, but but like you highlighted, I think both Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have made it clear that the NFL combine to them is an opportunity to get to know these players better as as people and as competitors rather than their athletic profile. They have a pretty good picture of that already. Yeah, the comp, the, the on-field drills and the measurable numbers, they're just double checks, yep. right? Like that's all they are. And if I, and we've heard Brad Holmes talk in the past about how if he has a good GPS time on a player and he has a high grade on the player, he wants him to perform poorly at the combine <laughs> right. so, so that some teams will, will off discount him. Yeah. Absolutely, right? And so looking uh, I would say this, the the 40 time is the one that gets all the hype and it's probably the least important of the, uh, of the, of the drills. Now it's important to a lot of NFL teams because it is a universal measuring stick that you can use from class to class to class across positions. And, and there's a, there's some depth value to that, but the lions have shifted to the GPS stuff almost. Right. Um, I don't want to say exclusively, but it drives the car here yeah. when it comes yep. to athleticism. So, we know they use it. You see it all over the building. You see it on their, you see it on their jerseys. I mean, like I've got 
pictures that I don't think I'm supposed to publish from uh, the basement <laughs> of Ford Field, right. uh, where it has where they have like the little tracker, the name of the company, Zebra Technologies, that does the trackers, right? Right. Um, like there's like these little markers all over the. They're at Ford Field. They're in Allen Park. They're in. That's what drives. That's what yep. drives uh, the Lions' decision making, not the forty time. Right, because now, it's it's about functional speed, not straight correct. line speed. It, it's how correct. It doesn't matter how fast you run in a straight line because you're very rarely running in a straight line in the NFL. So, yeah, how right. you're how fast you're running in game in practice, that sort of stuff matters way more to them, and understandably so. Right. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I think there's value to the drills. At the same time. It's not as valuable as it is to some other organizations because the Lions supplement that knowledge in a lot of other ways. Yeah. Um, kind of going off the same topic, uh, Tom Wilkinson, keeping in our uh, across the pond theme here, um, <laughs> as is the NFL combine as we knew it dying with the combo of the league office trying to further monetize it, plus the bigger players reluctant to test. Um, I don't know if it's. I, I, look, it's always going to be a spectacle, I believe is the word you like to use when you, when we talk about it, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, it, it is a, it has definitely turned into a television spectacle right. and the league has tried to monetize that by adjusting when they did the drills, trying to remember they tried to yep. do it in prime time a couple of years ago. Yep. The problem is, is that they don't, the the monetization of a football event and the combine don't align, meaning you can't put it in prime time because it doesn't mesh with like the schedule. It doesn't mesh with when the players are timed, the long days. It just it doesn't work. So they've yeah. been constantly tweaking the combine to try and find that that balance because it is a massive money making machine, and it but there's still value to it. Yes. It's becoming more commercialized, and um, I do think there are players that are opting out of different things, but there's still value. If there wasn't value, teams wouldn't send right. 30 employees to this event, right? You know what I mean? You wouldn't see hundreds and hundreds of uh, credentialed media at these events, right? Like You might. There's still a ton of value. <laughs> there's, uh, there's still a ton of value to the event uh, itself. Even if it's just from a medical standpoint, sure, right? Like the medical information that they get, universal med universal uh, medical tests that are distributed to all the teams is a very even playing field. It's a way of getting all the right information. And then if you need follow-up tests, they do follow-up tests. And then if you want to do your own follow-up test, well, then you have those top 30 visits that you can use. So I don't think it's dying. I, I think they're, they're, the nesting it to try and see how much money they can make out of it yet not have all those guys opt out because the one year that they tried to put it in prime time, they got nothing. I mean, right. all the, all the, all the skill players backed out of the uh, agility drills, which was awful, which right. was just awful. Um, when they put the the bench on the same day as the, as the on-field drills, that was terrible. And that used to be before and they hated that. Now it's yeah, after. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so like, They've, they're constantly making tweaks to try and, and what you'll what you've seen is that one year that players were opting out 
they adjusted and players have come back to doing right. it. And now they're mad about something else, right? Like they're, they're mad about a, a, a mental test, right? You know, sure. like the, 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 not a, it wasn't the wonder, like it's whatever the CJ Stroud thing that everyone right. got mad at. So like, no, I don't think it's dying, but I think it's constantly being tweaked to try and, and, and I don't think they have a perfect system yet. I think, I think part of the disconnect here is that what is appealing for the television is not, what's appealing to the teams. Right. And we just went over it, right? Like the te- most teams I think are now kind of pivoting towards, we're just checking boxes with the drills. We're not that concerned with that. It- it's about meeting with the players. It's about mm-hmm. informal, informal meetings. It's about meeting with other teams, right? Like free agency is less than two weeks away now. So part of the reason why the combine is such a popular event too, for the teams, is they can mingle. They can start talking. For sure. I know, I know for you're sure. not supposed to, I know it's not the legal tampering period, but it happens. And so it's an important event on the calendar for that sort of stuff. Like I, I listened to Ryan Poles' session yesterday and he's talking about like, I haven't had any big conversations about Justin Fields, but a lot of teams like my phone is constantly ringing this week with people like wanting to meet and have dinner and like all that sort of stuff. And so that that marks this an important point in the calendar, even if it has little to do with the NFL combine itself, just like a bunch of people descending upon one city where they can mingle is important. Whereas, I mean, you can't, you can't televise that. You can't, you can't televise teams meeting with players The the actual like informative stuff, you can't televise medical checks. No one's going to want to watch physicals on NFL network. Um, there might be in, some HIPAA laws there. Too, right. But. In, instead. Yeah. Like you're exactly instead. You're just, you're just televising like, basic Olympic events and it it can be entertaining for some, but for a lot of people it's okay. I already knew this about that player. Okay. Like, and, and instead we try to hype it up as like, Oh my God, like someone, someone posted like the, the top 40 times of all time. And like, it's just a list of players that have done nothing in the NFL. Like it, it, it's, it's still, and, and listen, like if that's, if you're, if that's what you're into, like, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's, it's racing. Like it's, it's the Olympic, it's track and field. That's fine. Um, but in general, to me, I think that's why the NFL combine as an event hasn't been that exciting to me is because I don't have a lot of interest in watching that kind of competition. Plus I don't learn that much information that I can't get elsewhere already. And so I don't know, it's, it's, it's an important event for teams. I don't think particularly for me, it's a very compelling TV event, but They've they've successfully made it one and it, mm-hmm. it's required a lot of tinkering and, and, and a lot of people are into it and a lot of people get amped up about the 40 every year and that's fine. But it, in terms of value for a consumer from a TV point of view, I just personally speaking, it's not much. For me. Now, I mean, that 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 aligns with your <laughs> ideology for the entire offseason, though. So it, Mostly, I, I but, get it. Yeah. Yes, I think beyond um, that, I think. But so like for me. I enjoy the forties, not because I enjoy watching the forties. I enjoy the forties because that's when I get to hear Daniel Jeremiah talk about the players. Yes. Um, It's a good introduction for for sure. Right. Yeah. And, and with some Um, of the top guys dropping out, like this is also, I guess you would say a good opportunity to learn a little bit more about the depth of the class. Right. And he, and you tend to find out because Daniel doesn't write a, a lot. Right. And so, um, it's 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 neat to get some of his perspective because he he's a very in tune uh source sure. for draft information, yeah. right? And uh 
I enjoy the on-field drills because it's the same reason I enjoy training camp. Like I, the, I, when I get to see guys move in a certain way, it, it, it helps open my eyes. It tells me what they can do, what they can't do. Um, I wish we could see the agility drills instead of the 40. Like I, I wish they would do the talk over, over the agility drills, uh, but they don't. And so, and uh, you know, it is what it is. So, but I, I do think it there's there's fun parts of it. They try and make it entertaining. I like that they bring in um like former players. They have conversations. Coaches um, and GMs join I, them sometimes too, right? Right. I mean the the most the most and a lot of that is um just fodder, you know what I mean? Fluff. But a like bit fluff. Right. But like when Dion used to be the on-field guy. For, for defensive backs, my goodness, he was a wealth of information. He could look at a guy doing that hip flip drill and he would be like, yeah, no, that dude's going to have to move to safety. Like, and he would be right. Like he yeah. would like, it's, it's, it's like, it's crazy things like that where like he was, he just knew like, cause he's that, you know, so well-versed and experienced. So I find different benefits and I've, I've found over the years, there's certain things when I can kind of like tune myself out and get some work done. Sure. And then there's times when I'm like, okay, this is the drill that I want to see. Yeah. This is the player that I want to see run through this drill. And, um, you know, that's the, that's why, why, that's why I write the series of articles that I'm writing the combine previews. Cause, and then when that day comes up, I'll post little drills where I'm saying, I'm watching this drill because this is going to tell me what I want to know. And so, for me, I find it entertaining the entire way through. Um, I wish they would show a little bit more, but um, again, I understand for the casual fan, um, maybe it not being as appealing. I understand for people who don't like the off season as much, there how it go. might not be appealing. Okay, you, I didn't. I, you, you've so separated me from the casual fan there. I appreciate. Yeah, that. I, 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 I had to add that because <laughs> I didn't want you to think I was insulting you. Um, but. Um, and I, you know, I understand, I understand, you know, how it's not super appealing, especially like if you don't know what to look for, right? That's true. Like, like for me, when I first started, I didn't know what to look for. I was just watching to gain information. But like, as you get more experience and you learn different schemes and how things work and, and the different preferences of, of different regimes, you can pick things out and you can say this translates in this situation. And that's, you know. That's ideally what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to look at this type of skill is going to translate to what the lines are looking for. And so, and then I'll, 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 I'll write it. I just, I just have that assessment of every player already, so I don't need it. Oh, you have it done. You have yep. it got it in the yep. bank. Yep. Awesome. So it's, all, it's already up here. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I, I, I look forward to your write up uh, on all the stuff and I get a nice break. Uh, no, thanks. Uh, our next question here comes from Ga Zach. Sorry, Ga Zach Gascoigne. I'm I'm sorry about butchering your last name. There uh, says guard is going to be a position that we have to sign or draft multiple people for. What does the free agency class look like? And names to watch for the draft. Since we're on kind of the NFL Combine portion of this mailbag, let let's start with draft. Who are some of those oh, there's guys? A, that, it, there's a ton. Right? There's a ton, like, right? Like, yeah, and there's we, so many that are versatile too. So, mm -hmm. um, who are some of your favorites in particular with their fits to Detroit? Yeah, we we we've gone over this in um like on our weekend show with Ryan. Yeah, um, we talk. I mean, I feel like I talked like about eight different guys. Yeah. Um, I will. Well, I'll try and narrow it if I can here. 
Um, it, I mean, it's hard. It depends. Like, yeah. cause if you're, if, if you're looking for a guy that's in the first round, you're the, you're, you're looking for uh Fatianu or, or, or powers Johnson out the center, uh, out of Oregon, but yeah. uh, Fatianu is a tackle guard, whereas powers Johnson is a guard center. So like, it depends on which skill set you're kind of looking for, but those are like the top two guys, the top guys at each of their like kind of hybrid positions. Um, a guy like Graham Barton is going to uh, be another like, you know, multi-position player who who could come in and start Zach Frazier. We talked about his grit over uh, over the weekend and why he's a fit because of that. Guys like Cooper Beebe and Zach Zinter uh, have a have a ton of experience in, in, in gap schemes and the Lions use a lot of uh, gap blocking. So they're they're, I think, a little bit more advanced in, into fitting in. To yep. the, what the Lions do. Now, Lions run a lot of outside zone as well, and that's part of it. And so do Michigan and Kansas State, and that's fine too. But Michigan and Kansas State push a lot of uh, gap. And because of that, it helps their offensive lineman transition a little easier to Lions style. So those guys are going to be high on my list. Uh, Christian Mahogany, or I'm sorry, Christian, uh, um, yeah, you know, Christian Haynes. Mahogany from oh. Boston College. Christian Haynes is great too from you. Okay, I was going to say, back to back Christian. Yeah, and then Mahogany is um, another Boston College kid. Yeah. Boston College runs some gap too, so you're going to see uh, a nice fit here. He's he's power based, and so he's another guy. Like those are like some of the top. Uh, I mean, th- those are guys you can. Some of them, those guys I named, you're going to find in round three, yeah. right? Um, some and then you know, but the majority of them I think are either first or second rounders, and they're guys that are also probably like plug and play. So lots of options if you need to replace or if you need to draft for the future, right? Um, because it, let's say they retain Jonah and Graham, they may need to, they still may, may need to draft Graham's replacement down the road. Right. For and sure. so you might see them invest in, in an offensive lineman, you know, as a replacement option and man, use a high pick on it. I don't want to get too much into free agency. Cause I think we're, we'll hit that pretty hard next week. Uh, kind mm-hmm. of as more of a free agency focused, midweek mailbag um but i do want to throw out one name because he is recently on the market um any any interest on your end with a reunion for lake and tomlinson i don't know um just turned 32 years old yeah i don't know i mean i know he's he did he's done very well since leaving, he did better leaving after he left Detroit. Than he, well, he, yeah, he was great in San Francisco. He has not right. been great with the Jets, but uh, I mean, that might just be fit, right? Because like there is a like if it you're just looking at PFF grade, he like drops 20 points as soon mm-hmm. as he lands in New York and could be an age thing, could be a Jets thing. Um, but I, I mean, I don't uh, Okay, go ahead. I didn't want. I, I mean, I didn't watch a lot of the Jets last year because they were terrible. <laughs> and uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. and so particularly I, I on the really- offensive line. Yeah. And well, offense in general, um, quarterback <laughs> position. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to, to see like, was it, was that, what was the reason for that drop off? I guess. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'd say no, probably not because I don't know because it could be he's 32 and right. he sometimes that's the end. You know what it's, I mean? Like the, I think like the, the interesting kind of like, philosophical conundrum here is if if you don't re-sign Jonah, how do you want to refill his spot? Do you do you do you want to risk like your kind of offensive line chemistry and you know just just the overall unit with a a rookie 
Do you think Colby is ready to step in? Do you, would you rather fill it in with a veteran like Lakin who can like at least be a stopgap while you continue to, you know, build your depth out or, or, or take along a rookie? Because I mean, we've heard everyone say it all, all, all year, all past few years is like this offensive line is the engine under the hood. It, it's so important to what they do. Are they willing to risk a rookie out there? Starting at left guard, starting at right guard, wherever they need it. If if it's, I mean, I think it's fair to wonder if, unless it's a bona fide stud like Panay Sewell, is this regime going to be willing to do that? Are are they willing to trot out a third rounder that could mess with the entire chemistry of that offensive line? I don't know. Well, it's one of the reasons why I don't think they'll wait till the third round. Right. I, I think I think they'll draft one earlier. Yeah. Um. I. W- I wonder how much the league is going to value Jonah. Excuse me, with the uh, the injury history over yeah. the last two seasons. Um, I, I, the more I think about it, and the more I see like some national perspective on it, I wonder if he'll be devalued because of that. I've always thought he'll be he'd be a little devalued with the Lions because they've seen those injuries up front and. And I thought the market was going to be a lot higher for him. If the market isn't that high, I think that like if, if Jonah's making below 11, I almost think you have to go get it. Like yeah. you have to make that happen. Um, it depends. It's, I, I, I think he's such a good player that someone's going to pay him. I think yeah. someone's going to pay him over like 12 million plus. Right. right. And I, I don't think the lions would. Um, but if his value is not as high and that price is lower, I, I'd retain him just because the team loves him. It's easy. It's, yeah. it's like, it's the same reason, like it, the, the more of those guys you can bring back on offense, the easier it's going to be to be, to be able to maintain. And then you can just add and then just elevate yourself that way. I don't think you need, like, there's no real position on offense where you're like, we absolutely have to upgrade this spot. It's like if you can maintain or and yep. then add a little bit, even if you're just adding depth, the offense can get better. And yep. there are, you know, so I'm not in I'm not looking at guard saying this is a position you have to upgrade. This is this is more of a position where you're like, just don't get worse. Yeah, right? don't take a step back. Exactly. Right. And and listen, continuity is is kind of the name of the game when it comes to offensive line play and yeah. we we all know, you know there there are those stats out there those advanced stats they were at their best when Jonah was in that lineup and so yeah he's a former I, pro bowler for a reason right yep all right let's take a break here when we come back more of your lines questions we're going to shift a little bit away from the combine in the draft we've got some other interesting questions over here on Twitter, as always, if you want to send questions, send them to a hashtag AskPOD there. But let's take a break. When we come back, more questions. And we are here back on the midweek mailbag answering your questions as always live on Twitch and YouTube questions coming in from Twitter. Let's go back to Twitter. And our next question comes from Alan Hemming, who asks, 
How much would it cost to trade for Legereus Sneed if the Chiefs can't make a deal with him? And how much do you think the Lions are willing to trade if available? So news came out via, I believe, yeah. ESPN Jeremy Fowler saying uh, they're prepared to use the franchise tag on Legereus Sneed if they can't get a long-term deal done. But they would also then be open to facilitating a trade. So basically, not using a franchise tag to potentially match and or or not match an offer and cost two first round picks. Rather, it would be more of a scenario where they're just kind of like holding on to his rights. They'd be willing to trade him for whatever offers they get instead of like, I, I, I think that's how I was reading it. It wasn't like an offer sheet type of franchise tag situations right. where it would automatically cost for two first rounders. So. Oh, really? I, I think that's, I think that's what, what they were talking about. Um, okay. But either, either way, let's, let's discuss this because. I think well, a lot of people read that tweet and their first reaction was like, oh, Legere Sneed's available. Let's go get him. My <laughs> first reaction was, oh, crap. It's not just going to cost a ton of money. It is now also going to cost draft picks. He's not right. he's not in play anymore. Yeah, that was my impression, too. That's okay. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the, the read that I had was, hey, now you get a chance to pay this guy you know, 17 and a half million dollars. You know, that's what PFF's number is. Uh, and you have to give up two draft picks in order to get to, to have that right to overpay. Yeah. And so um, I looked at it as, yeah, okay, he's he's, he's, he's done. Then. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> because once you start applying franchise tags on guys, the franchise numbers are higher than probably what they would have made in free agency, right? Yeah. And that's done purposefully to discourage the use of franchise tags, right? Um, for example, <clears throat> Sneed is, <clears throat> excuse me, Sneed is estimated to command about $17.5 million per PFF per year. The franchise tag is worth 19.8 million dollars right. uh for 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 corners. So right there you're already over 2 million over the average. And with the franchise tag, that's due now, right? As opposed to being able to backload a contract and get a lower cap in, in, in your one. So the franchise tag is purposefully restrictive, right? Um so once they start talking about adding franchise tags. I'm, I'm basically out right. of that conversation, right? Yep. If you're talking about just trying to maintain the rights and, or they're like trying to keep the, the door open for a potential return. I get that. But if I have to give compensation in addition to paying an exorbitant amount, I'm, I'm out of that game. Yeah. I, I don't think you can, that's not how you build. And I don't think he's honestly, let's be, let's be realistic here. He's a very good corner, but he's not like at the elite levels of corner play that you find in the league, in my opinion. And so I'm not willing to trade draft picks unless the Jalen Ramsey's of the world. And you know what I mean? Or, right. or like, you know, your elite elite guys are, are available. And I don't know if I can, would put Snead in, into that group. So I, I think the cost is going to be too high, regardless of where, what yeah. it is. And because of the situation that, that the chiefs are creating. Right. I mean, it, it comes down to how much do you trust Brad Holmes to draft? 
because my trust in him is pretty darn high. And am I saying that he's going to find a luxurious need at 29? No, not necessarily. No, but he's but like. He's probably going to find a dude that can ball if he wants to target a corner and it's going to cost him a heck of a lot less in terms of salary for the next four years. And so that alone is just like, I rather have those draft picks in Brad Holmes's hand than rather spending it on a player who is also going to cost north of 20 million a year. It just doesn't, it, it, it doesn't make sense for the way they're building. It doesn't make sense for the way Brad Holmes has talked about how he wants to build the team, how they want to draft and develop. And this is going to go into the next question here because it's very much similar. I'm just going to jump right into it. Jason Krolik asks, the Lions seem determined to focus more on depth rather than signing stars during free agency. Do you like that approach? It's 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 a less exciting approach. Yeah. But you also understand the approach because as Dan Campbell said, that's how people are going to get injured. It's the NFL and yep. you need to have answers. So you know, we've talked about this a couple of times since the the line season ended. One of the reasons that San Fran and KC were able to get to the pinnacle was because they had depth on their roster beyond their starters and the lines just aren't there yet. So while I agree with the philosophy of adding depth. I would also be okay with them spending a little bit of that money as, sure. as well on, on a big, on some, you know, higher priced free agents. So I understand it. I don't know. I'm not going to say I disagree, um, but I think there's an opportunity to get better than just depth. Yeah. And, and they're not afraid to do that too. Right. Like it, I, I I, yeah, there, there's a middle ground between going on a spending spree and, and, and going to get every single top free agent you can and only get depth guys, right? Like last year was, was a nice little happy medium of the two. You're probably not thrilled with how the Cam Sutton signing worked out, but you're probably pretty happy about with David Montgomery, right? That was a pretty mid-level signing, like maybe higher end of, of running backs that were on the market, but not like an app. You weren't signing David Montgomery thinking you got an absolute superstar and you got a guy who, you know, set his career career touchdown record, I believe. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I would say that's a, a little bit of a mischaracterization of, of what the Lions free agency plan is. I, I think they're not afraid to add starters. I imagine they're going to add probably at least two starters. I would say in free agency, one at corner, one at guard. If and that's assuming they don't re-sign some of their own guys. Maybe one, maybe like an additional third on the defensive line. It all that is is certainly possible because again, like Brad Holmes has said it, I've said it. Free agency is to address your needs. The Lions have starting needs across the the roster, particularly at corner, particularly at guard, particularly on the defensive line. So he's going to take care of those needs now. Does does he need to start being more aggressive? Does he need to start going for these high end guys? I don't think so. And I'm kind of fine that he doesn't. Um, and I think he exaggerates a little bit about, you know, he has his company line of we don't want to win headlines in March. We <laughs> want to win football games in December. And someone needs to sure. talk to him about that, too. Like, no, we're, we're trying to win in January. Stop saying December. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Stop saying December. 
Like the regular season stretches into January at this point. We're talking playoff January, maybe even February. There you go. Yeah. Even say February. Stop saying December. Um, (laughs) Either way. um, I, I just, I don't feel this need, this desire to go out and spend 15, 20 million on external free agents, because I've seen that not work more often than I see it work. I, I really, I really do. And there's, there's bigger risk, long-term risk in hurting your salary cap. And, and, and the thing that Brad Holmes kept saying, and this is going to lead again to another question here. He doesn't know if he can trust guys outside the building. The reason yes. why they, they, they build and develop internally is because they know these guys fit our scheme. These guys fit our culture. These guys aren't going to rock the boat. These guys are going to take to coaching. Um, when you pull an external free agent, obviously you do as much character evaluation as you can from afar, but you're never going to know for sure. And so there are just right. too many things that can go wrong when you do invest 20 million on a player that you, you haven't coached before that I'm just fine with these like eight, seven, 10, 12 million a year guys. You can, you can, you can get good players in that range and you can weather the storm if it doesn't work out. Like Cam Sutton, if that one doesn't work out, the Lions are going to have him basically off the books mostly after two years. They spent $11 million a year on the guy that, that didn't break the book by any man. Like, his cap hit last year was negligible. Is he in the top 10 this year? He's probably in the top 10, but not by much in terms of the Lions cap hit. So that, that to me is a perfect signing. If it works out, great. You have a good player for three years. If it doesn't, you probably have a, a mediocre one for two years and that you overspent a little bit on. That's not, that doesn't hurt you as much. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think on offense, it's very easy because they're already good to just not want to, not want to overspend and just, you know, spend what they need to retain because right. again, they know the players, they don't have to uh, reinvest. On defense, though, they're so lacking in a couple of areas. And they have two massive holes um, starting vacancies uh, on defense that you almost feel like they need to get an impact player. Um, And I I don't know. That's why I guess I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with it, right? Like, I'd be okay trying to to spend a little bit more to try and bring in a guy and uh you know the the trick is it's just a matter of how you spend they're going to spend it's just a matter of are you but i'm but i mean like even if we started including like draft capital right mm-hmm. like they're going to spend money to acquire players they're going to spend draft capital to acquire sure. players and so far they've chosen to spend more on their draft with their draft capital than they have on their, their, their free agency. Yeah. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting question. I asked the question this, uh, um, in our reacts poll, mm-hmm. what do they need to win in order to be successful this year? What right. do they need? Do they need to be hit, hit free agency where you can get better immediately? Or do you need to really kill the draft where, historically that's how they've gotten better sure immediately right like yeah so but we, we've talked all this offseason about how we can't we can't get used to that immediate yeah, impact know. from a from a rookie class right yes 
Yes. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I, what I tried to illustrate in that, yeah. in that piece too, was like, you're probably not going to draft four starters in, uh, in, in uh, two pro bowlers and one all pro in this draft class. Right. Like it's right. So if you're not going, if, cause you just don't have the draft capital to try and acquire that. But if you want to keep getting better, then you have to spend in a different way to, to add and 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 that's when I think where I think you have that availability and free agency, which is again why I still think adding spending money on a corner, spending money on a defensive tackle, those are those are decisions I would be completely comfortable with. Fair. Uh, speaking of defensive tackle, our next question yes. is going to move into that nicely. Between the numbers, Anthony uh, asks: With the hiring of Terrell Williams and other new coaches, do you see any potential free agent fits from their former teams? Brad notes that with external acquisitions, they really need to know the guy that be on the film. Exactly what I was yeah. just saying. Like, so let's, let's just look at Terrell Williams um, because okay. there are some interesting names there, particularly along the, the Titans defensive line that are free agents. Uh, probably most substantial of them all, I would say is Danico Autry, who's 33 yeah. years old, but he's coming off an 11 sack season, 11 and a half sack mm -hmm. season. Um, the other names there, Trav Travis Gibson, Marlon Davidson, and uh, Ross Blacklock. Any of those four guys, including Autry, move the needle at all for you? Um, I don't know if Autry is a... He, he he's he's similar in a way in the way that you use John Kaminsky, mm -hmm. uh, but he's going to cost more than John Kaminsky. You right. know what I mean? Yep. So to so you'd have to like bail on Kaminsky, take the cap hit, and then invest more than you were investing in John Kaminsky. Plus now his cap hit as well. Like you'd be, is he that much better than John Kaminsky? Like that much more money? I don't think he is, especially at his age compared to John Kaminsky. I think there's other ways that you can go after acquiring a pass rusher. Right. So I don't think Autry would be in my, on my radar at the price point that he's being projected as. Right. Yeah. Um, so I would say no. On, on that. So I, I honestly don't know if any of the Titans free agent defensive linemen are really going to. There's really not that much in terms of production and, and the rest those other right. three guys that I named on like <clears throat> you have you have like a couple of big names like Marlon Davidson was a second round pick, but has basically completely burnt out, completely not doing anything. Um, right. And so I, I, Danico Autry is really the entire conversation if you're going to talk about defensive linemen coming from the Titans. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 a weird place to be, right? Because he's going to be 34 for most of 2024. How much are you going to hand out to a guy? Granted, he's coming off to off back to back years where he did have 10 plus sacks, but he's 30. He's 34. Right. And And if he came here. With the way that the Lions run the scheme, though, I don't even know. Well, but I don't know how he'd be utilized, right? right? Like, yeah, like because of the way that they use that kind of speed rushing linebacker uh, uh, offset, and then the way that they ask their guys to, to to run block first or to stop the run first. Yeah, 
I wonder if he would eat, if he'd even have that opportunity and then you add the age in and it just becomes like, if he was like, Hey, I'd sign for $2 million. Right. I'd be like, well, bring him on. You know what I mean? But if <laughs> sure. he's, but, but like, he's probably going to demand more than that, especially when you're still doing double digit sacks. Right. And so, and I would expect him to demand more than that. So that's why I would be, I, I'm not as in love with that marriage um, as, as I would like to be. I like, I'd love to be able to pair a player with a coach. You know what I mean? Like, I think that right. there's value there, but I just don't, there's nothing that really jumps out to me that I'm saying, wow, you absolutely have to go do that. Yeah. And just for the record, the PFF is estimating a one year, $7.25 million deal for Danico Autry. So yeah, any money that you would save from potentially cutting John Kaminsky would be spent. And then some for someone like Autry who, you know, granted he would probably give you more production, but he'd also be playing an entirely different defense and, and all that. So I'm not sure if there's anyone to pluck there from, from the Titans tree. Autry is clearly the only name there. And, and I'm with you. I think it might be, a little too pricey given everything, unless he want, unless he really, really loves Terrell Williams and really, really wants to continue to play for him. Which, hey, head coach has an A plus, right on the uh, on the right. grade scale for players, so <laughs> that's a good selling point. Look, because like like players look at those things. Players are gonna they they see what the other players are saying, yeah. and who was the number one coordinator. That um the, from that poll earlier in the season that that they uh, that think that it, players loved. I think it was Aaron Glenn. Yeah, it was. So Lions have some look. The Lions are 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 a Their destination. They are a player's destination. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, I mean, they didn't work directly with uh with Williams, but like they got a couple corners in free agency that are interesting depth pieces like Sean Murphy bunting who played at, uh, at central, right? Sure. Like he's, he's a, a guy you could bring in. He's a little bit more zone of a zone guy, but like, he's a guy you could, you could bring in and try and see what he does. Um, Christian Fulton, the former sure. LSU corner. Yeah. Um, you could take like, these are, those guys are good depth pieces, right? Cause even if you add a starter one way or another, you still need they. The cupboard is empty, like it in the secondary. They have like not even just they, corner, they, right? Yeah. Safety yeah. too. They they have two cor- They have they have their starters. Uh, my safety. at at both starters at safety, starter in the nickel, starter at one corner. They have no starter uh, at one outside spot, and then they have no depth really anywhere. Right. And so like. You're talking about like you could draft or sign two safeties in <laughs> yeah. three corners, and yeah. one of those corners needs to be able to start. Like yep. now, some of the like they maybe they retain Mosley, or maybe they they sure. have a draft pick, or what? Yeah, there's lots of things you can do, uh, but there is a void of depth on this roster, and so find connections and uh you know maybe there is something that one of these guys maybe maybe Sean Murphy wants Bunting wants to to come back to where you know come back home you know you never there know you. um speaking of defense speaking of coaching staff uh mink uh on twitter asked mink0029 asked with ag staff um upgraded and likely additions potentially uh, better defensive players through the free agency and draft. Do you think this upcoming year will be a make or break year for Aaron Glenn? If not, what is the expectation for improvement, at least for the past defense? Well, 
I don't think it's make or break. I think Dan Campbell loves AG too much. Um, I think if there was going to be pressure on him, it's going to probably come from Sheila and Brad, not necessarily, not from Dan. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, so expectations when they were 32nd in the league, we said, just get them into the low twenties, right? Just get And, and I think, I don't know where they ended up as a team overall last year, but I feel points like per, points per game was 23rd. If that's okay. your metric of choice. And we said, if you get into the twenties, the offense is good enough to, to get you into playoffs and get you to win. And that's exactly what happened, right? Yep. So huge catalyst in this was the, the run defense being number one, right? Yes. Being that top run defense. And so you've, you've, you've taken already taken one big step. Yep. So the, the really the, and, and the linebackers have taken a huge step. So yep. it's really just the secondary that needs to take that step. And if that secondary can take that step to go from 32 and again, into the low twenties from 32 would get your defense into now the teens. That is a, that is the progress that you want. And now you're competing for much bigger uh, prizes next year. And so that's where you, that's where, that's what has to get better with Aaron Glenn. And it should be his bread and butter because that's where he like, it should, it's, it's, it's startling to me how many times we see this happen in the NFL where a player or a coach is so good or should be so good at this one spot. And that's the spot that struggles and everything else seems to get better. But that spot that he really, really should be good at is the worst spot. Um, You see with like defensive minded head coaches, like they always think let's invest heavily in the offense because I can fix the defense because I called uh, the greatest play in Super Bowl history. And then it, it never there comes it to is. fruition. There it is. It, it, yeah. Right. <laughs> because like, you don't, you think you can fix it with, with like, uh, with, without talented players because you're good enough at it. The time has come. You need to invest in this secondary. Yeah. You're not just going to get there on Aaron Glenn's chops alone. You need a lot more talent. And if you can add that talent with a spot that he should be good, maintain your success in your other areas, then you're going to have a much better team that's going to have a much better shot, right? And so that's what they need to do. That's yeah. what he needs to do to, to, to feel secure and to feel safe. At the same time, I also don't think Dan's ever going to really put him on the hot seat because he loves him. The players love him. Yeah. And, and, and that those things shouldn't be discounted. And I remember, you know, a year, year and a half ago when, when a reporter even asked Dan, like, Hey, you're, you're pretty good friends with, with AG. Is that going to get in the way of you potentially firing somebody? And, you know, he gave the right answer, which is no, like, listen, I, there, there right. has to be a certain amount of emotion um, removed from decisions like that. And, you know, he pointed to like, listen, it's not like I didn't respect, uh, you know, um, what's his name? The offensive coordinator in your one, Anthony Lynn. Yep. It's not like I didn't respect Aubrey Pleasant, right? Like those are guys that, that just didn't fit They're Yeah. They just didn't fit. And so I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it can't be a break year for Aaron Glenn. Like if things go off the tracks, 
the, at some point there has to be some account- accountability there in the secondary. It's not like they haven't sure. invested anything in there, right? The, the mm-hmm. starting safeties next year are going to be both guys that they drafted and they invested heavily in Cameron Sutton and they invested heavily in Brian Branch. And so there is talent there. And so if, if yeah. you know, in year two with all these guys returning and playing together and all that, there has to be a turner. There has to be some sort of yep. change and, and you can't continue to just rotate through your defensive backs coaches and, and blame them. At some point it has to fall on Aaron Glenn's lap. And I'm not saying, you know, if they're, you know, 20th in points allowed again next year that he's gone. But if if they regress, like, or if they don't get any better, particularly on the back end, I th- I think you have to at least think about it. I agree. Look, I agree with you from our from our chair. You have you, that. That's the right answer. What right. you're saying. I just. I can't, I can't get past the idea that he is the most, everyone loves him. The coaches love him. It matters. The players love him. That matters. And there's also, I believe a big disconnect in what the general media public perceive as success versus what coaches in the NFL perceive sure. as success. Yeah. And I, and I think that they believe he's a lot more successful than what the outside us outside of the building believe. Right. And so I think he's in a much better spot than what, yes. Than I don't think he's on the hot be. seat to be no. clear, but I'm just no. saying like he could get on the hot seat progressively as the season. Yeah. But I mean, like he's he's getting yeah. head coaching interviews, right, like still, right. like like that's right. like that's that's so why I, I, I yes, I that's why I continue to like and like everything you hear coming out of Allen Park and everything awesome. you hear coming out of the NFL is like he has the right stuff, and we we see games where it when it clicks, it's like holy True. cow, right? But, but there it's is just there's, the consistency is not. The, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, there's also, there's a little bit of like, I think there's this feeling and I, I think it's one I might agree with that like Aaron Glenn might be better suited as a leader, as a delegator, as a head coach than he is a sure. defensive coordinator. And yeah. so that's what, I mean, if, if your players really respect you, if you're getting head coaching interviews, if you you command a room when you're in front of a podium, those are all qualities for a good head coach that doesn't necessarily make you a good defensive coordinator. No, I, I I get it. I I agree with that. I it just the vibe I get whenever he comes up is he doesn't seem in any danger to me. I agree. Yeah. In, from from inside yes. the building internally. Yep, that makes sense. All right, I think we're gonna call it there. Uh, we're gonna hang around uh, for our live audience a little bit longer, answer some more questions that we didn't get to. But as always, if you want to be a part of that, make sure you're following us on Twitch. Make sure you're following us on YouTube. But we appreciate you all the same, no matter where you consume our content. So for Eric, for myself, Jeremy, thank you all for listening. It's Cass. Be kind. <laughs> <laughs>